Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program and we're in chapter nine of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Chapter nine is titled, What is Gamma and How Does It Affect Me? We're gonna be going into detail about this natural law. In reality, we've been discussing this natural law all the way through this program because in one way or another, all the teachings of the Buddha come back to this natural law. The natural laws of existence describe the Buddha's teachings in their totality, but one of those individual natural laws that he taught is the natural law of gamma. This is the primary natural law that he actually taught. And today we're going to go into this in detail because oftentimes this natural law takes on this mystical, magical meaning or people think of it as punishment and rewards. And I'm going to demystify this for you today so that you can understand what this natural law is. I only use this word gamma because it doesn't translate to one English word. If this translated to one English word, I would just use that word. But this is one of the very few words in the teachings of the Buddha that doesn't translate to one English word. So I still need to use this word gamma. You might have heard the word karma used. This is the Sanskrit version. But in the original teachings of the Buddha, they're documented in the Pali language. So in the Pali language, we use the word gamma. So people who are studying the original teachings of the Buddha, you might see that they use the word gamma instead of karma. But we're essentially talking about the same thing. So as we go in today's class, you're welcome to ask questions. I'm going to pause at different times throughout the class to allow you guys to ask questions and you can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. Or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand. We have a moderator today who's going to be able to help us to bring the questions in and make sure that you get a chance to ask questions because questions are an important part of your learning. That if you're reading the book, if you're attending the classes or listening to the replay, you're going to have certain questions and you're going to need clarification. You're not going to be able to just read a book or sit in a class and get to enlightenment. You're going to need to have some level of involvement of asking questions and seeking clarification. So I'd like to invite all of you to ask any and all questions that you like, as well as welcome all of you, whether you're joining for the first time or you've been joining regularly. Welcome to our class. So I'm going to use some visual aids to help us to discuss the topic that I'm going to be sharing with you guys today, which is what is gamma. And let's just start with just kind of a general understanding of what is gamma before we go into the details of understanding what is gamma. And as I typically do, I will be using some of the words of the Buddha to help you understand what is gamma as well. But here, let's just kind of talk about this in general. Gamma is a natural law that exists. It's functioning all the time in every moment. This is what the Buddha taught in one way or another. It comes back to 
the natural law of gamma. So just like the natural law of gravity is functioning all the time, and nobody turns it on, nobody turns it off, and whether you're aware of the natural law of gravity or not, you're still affected by it, it's the same thing with the natural law of gamma, that it's there and it's functioning all the time. Whether you're aware of it or not, you're being affected by this natural law. But the more wisdom that you have of this natural law, then you can make wise decisions that lead to wholesome results. If you don't have the wisdom of this natural law, you'll make unwise decisions that lead to unwholesome results, which is the same thing we did with the natural law of gravity. When we were a child, we lacked the wisdom of the natural law of gravity. So we made all kinds of unwise decisions. We didn't tie our shoes. We weren't looking at the surface of the street or the sidewalk. We put cups or other uh, important things in places where they could easily be broken. And because of those unwise decisions, we experienced unwholesome results. But slowly and gradually over the course of our life, we learned about this natural law of gravity. So that by the time we were maybe 10 or 12 years old, we had awoken. We gained the wisdom. Essentially, that's what it means to awake, is you're gaining wisdom of this natural law of gravity. And now with that awakening, with that wisdom of the natural law of gravity, we started making wiser choices. We ensured that our shoes were nice and tight when we tied those. We looked at the surface of the sidewalk and the street when we were walking. We put valuable things in certain places that they wouldn't be easily broken. We're at the point now where we can climb a ladder, we can get on an airplane, we can travel anywhere we like because we deeply understand this natural law of gravity. So that's what you're doing on this path to enlightenment, among other things, is you're learning about this natural law of gamma so that you can have that wisdom to make wiser decisions that lead to more wholesome outcomes. Because as long as you lack the wisdom of this natural law, you're gonna experience unwholesome outcomes. Because what the natural law of gamma is, is cause and effect or action and results. It's the results of your decisions. It's not this punishment and rewards that people oftentimes associate with gamma. This is where oftentimes people are coming from other traditions and they might think of gamma as punishment and rewards, but it's just a sequence of events that have occurred that led to some outcome. Even if you are sitting at a traffic light and the light is red and you're just sitting there with your brake on, doing nothing, just minding your own business, and somebody hits you from behind, this is your gamma. You didn't cause the accident, you were just sitting there doing nothing but it's a result of your decisions. It's a sequence of events that have occurred that led up to that situation. It's just cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, action, result, action, result. You know, we chose to purchase a car. We chose to get into the car. We chose to drive down that street. We chose to stop at that traffic light. And the same thing's happening to the person behind us. They chose to purchase a car. Maybe they didn't maintain it and their brakes failed. Or maybe they were drinking alcohol and they didn't stop in time. Or maybe they were listening to music or talking on the phone and they didn't stop in time. It was a sequence of events that led to some action or some result. So it's the results of our decisions. And this is where you can see very clearly, it's not punishment and rewards. There's not a being or an entity that's overseeing this natural law and trying to determine what you have done wrong and then punishing you or determining what you've done right and then rewarding you. So it's your intentions, your speech and your actions that as you are making certain decisions, there's this cause and effect or cause and effect, and it's affecting you whether you're aware of this natural law or not. 
and you're not being punished and you're not being rewarded but with the wisdom of this natural law you will naturally make wiser decisions that lead to improved results for you and understand that the natural law of gamma it's not mystical magical thing it's not a black cloud that follows you around it's just literally the results of your decisions that's what i would translate this word gamma to is the results of your decisions that's what the natural law of gamma is that's what your gamma is and we're going to talk about the four different types of gamma as we go in today's class so just in summary what i was just sharing is that this natural law of gamma is cause and effect or action and results the results of your decisions it's your life it's your decisions and it's your results essentially anything that's occurring in your life it's a result of your decisions and this can be very impactful this can be very empowering because if you understand that everything that you experience in life is a result of your decisions that means that if there's anything in your life that you don't like or that you aren't particularly fond of that means you can make different decisions that will lead to different results that if you continue to make the same decisions that you've always made it's going to lead to the same results so what you're doing on this path to enlightenment is you're trying to become wiser and wiser and wiser about this natural law so that you can now make wise decisions to improve your life and experience more wholesome outcomes but as long as you lack wisdom of this natural law you won't be able to make those wise decisions and experience improved results or improved outcomes so this natural law of gamma is functioning whether you're aware of it or not and by understanding that you can make wiser decisions once you have this wisdom and experience more wholesome results then you can take action to learn about this natural law and experience the improved results but when the mind is unknowing of true reality or if it's ignorant of this natural law the mind will continue to struggle and this is why that when i first start teaching a student i teach them to not believe anything because you can't believe your way to enlightenment you can't believe your way to understanding the natural law of gamma you shouldn't believe in the natural law of gamma but when somebody is having the wisdom of the natural law of gamma and they've cultivated that wisdom that means that they learned about it that they reflected and independently verified about this natural law of gamma and then they're practicing it and they can see the truth for themselves so there's situations where people ask me you know do you believe in the natural law of gamma and i say no absolutely not i don't believe in the natural law of gamma i know it's true a hundred percent and that's what you can get to if you learn it you independently verify it and you practice it you'll see the truth for yourself that it's a hundred percent true so you shouldn't believe anything about these teachings and that's why i share with people when they first start learning with me to not believe because if you do believe it's not going to lead to wisdom you need to get to wisdom so with that wisdom you'll make wiser decisions that lead to wholesome outcomes so let's look at some of the words of the Buddha in order to see what he taught. Now, in this book series that I share, there's an entire book devoted to the natural law of gamma. It's volume six. It's completely devoted to the natural law of gamma. But in reality, all the teachings of the Buddha, in one way or another, come back to the natural law of gamma. But here's a few of his words around the natural law of gamma to illustrate certain important teachings that you're going to need to know as I then teach you the four different types of gamma to be understood. Here the Buddha says, beings are the owners of their gamma. 
the heirs of their kama. They have kama as their origin, kama as their relative, kama as their resort. Whatever kama they do, wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. Essentially what the Buddha is sharing here with you is that you are creating your own kama. Other people can't create kama for you. You are creating the kama that you experience in life. So it is your intentions, your speech, and your actions that create your kama. It's not possible for me to do something wholesome or unwholesome and then put that kama onto you. Or you can't produce a bunch of good gamma or wholesome gamma and then transfer it to someone else. This is a misunderstanding even largely and widely in a lot of Buddhist communities. There's even places here in Thailand where they believe that they can do a whole bunch of good things or wholesome things and then they can do a little ceremony and they can transfer the results of those good decisions that they made, they can transfer those to their dead relatives. This is impossible. You can't do this. And you can see the words of the Buddha right here. And if you understand about all the other teachings of the Buddha, you understand that it's not possible for you to transfer your good deeds to others or your bad deeds to others. You can't transfer your wise or unwise decisions. You can't transfer the results of those to other people. So remember that you are the owner, the heir, the originator of your gamma. You have gamma as your relative, as your resort, whatever you do, either wholesome or unwholesome, you are its heirs. You are going to experience the results of your decisions. You can't run and hide from that. And that's what this next quote that I'm sharing here. The Buddha says, the results of gamma, I say, is threefold. To be experienced in this very life or in the next rebirth or on some subsequent occasion. Some subsequent occasion means some future rebirth beyond the next one. So essentially what the Buddha is saying here is you can't run and hide from your kama. No matter what you do, if you make wise decisions or you make unwise decisions, you can't run and hide from it. So the decision becomes, well, if I can't run away from my unwise decisions and I am going to experience those results regardless, then let me cultivate as much wisdom as I can about this natural law so that now I can make wise decisions because any unwise decisions that you make, it's going to produce unwholesome results. And you can't snap your fingers and just instantly start making wise decisions in your life. That's not how this works. It's gradual training, gradual practice that leads to gradual progress. So you're gonna gradually be learning more and more wisdom, gradually making more and more wise decisions, which gradually leads to more and more wholesome outcomes. But in the meantime, you're gonna also, in some cases, gonna be making unwise decisions, and you're still gonna be experiencing those unwholesome results as a part of that. But more and more, you're increasing your wise decisions and you're decreasing your unwise decisions. And this is where it is important to understand the four different types of gamma, because you're going to need to know these four different types and how you produce these different types of gamma in order for you to progress in your wisdom of this natural law and to be able to then get to the point where you're only making wise decisions. So there's wholesome gamma and there's unwholesome gamma. There's old gamma and there's new gamma. So wholesome gamma are all the decisions and the results of those decisions that you make that are harmless. So if you are making decisions that are harmless, 
then these are wise decisions that are then going to produce wholesome gamma or wholesome results. If you're making harmful decisions, which are unwise, it's going to produce unwholesome gamma or unwholesome results. So very simply, let's just think about this. If you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, people are going to tend to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to you. And that's because you're practicing harmlessness. You're not harming anyone when you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. And people will tend to be that way with you. But if you're harmful, meaning you're impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful, now because of your harmful decisions, because of your unwise decisions, people are going to tend to be impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful with you. So what you would like to do is cultivate more and more wisdom about what is wholesome and what is unwholesome so that you can practice harmlessness, making wise decisions that produces more and more wholesome results in your life or wholesome gamma. And then you're decreasing your unwise decisions that are harmful so that then you can produce more and more or you can produce less and less unwholesome gamma. And it's the Eightfold Path, which you're going to hear me share in a moment, that is helping you to develop your ability to understand the wisdom of what it takes to produce wholesome gamma based on the wisdom that the Buddha is sharing about the natural law of gamma. Then there's what's called old gamma and there's new gamma. What old gamma is, is these are decisions that you made in the past and you're experiencing those results now. And what new gamma is, is decisions that you're making now that is going to affect you in the future. So if you've made unwise decisions in the past, even though you're on this path to enlightenment and you're working to improve your decision making and making wise decisions, you're still going to experience that unwholesome gamma coming back to you. This is old gamma. It's going to keep coming back to you until you extinguish it. But now in the present moment, you would like to make new gamma which is wholesome based on wise decisions. So if that old gamma is coming back to you and just say this old gamma is unwholesome gamma that's coming back to you. If you continue to make unwise decisions, you're going to continue to make new gamma that is unwholesome. But in the present moment, as those unwholesome gamma is coming back to you, which is old gamma that is coming back to you. If in the present moment, now you produce new gamma, which is wholesome because now you're making wise decisions you can extinguish your old gamma that is unwholesome and now you can get to a point where you're only practicing in such a way that you're only making wise decisions to produce wholesome results so a good example of old gamma would be like say five years ago if somebody murdered somebody or something like that but they never got caught and now five years later the police officers and law enforcement have put all the pieces together and they come and arrest you even though you haven't murdered anyone for maybe five years 20 years 50 years you're going to now experience the results of those old decisions or say you had some kind of government filing that you were supposed to file and you filed it with lies and deceit and you were dishonest in your government filing and maybe you didn't get caught for three years five years or ten years or what have you but now three years five years ten years later 
that comes back to you because it gets caught. This is your old gamma. But now, when you're in the present moment, you would like to now handle this in a way that's going to produce only wholesome gamma. So that now that that's coming back to you, and you realize that you were dishonest three years ago, or five years ago, or 10 years ago, in this present moment, you could be dishonest again, and you could lie. But this is going to produce more unwholesome gamma. But when you're wise about this natural law of gamma and you realize any unwise decisions you make are going to come back and affect you, now that this old gamma has come back to you, you would like to extinguish it. So you might decide to now be honest and just tell the people, yes, I was dishonest in this. I apologize. I should not have done that. Now I would like to solve this problem. Let me do whatever I need to do in order to solve this problem. So that now you can extinguish your unwholesome gamma. So now in the present moment, you're producing new gamma that leads to wholesome results in the future. So there's this wholesome gamma, which is harmless. There's this unwholesome gamma, which is harmful. And this is based on your wise or your unwise decisions. And then there's going to be old gamma, which is coming back to you from your past decisions. And then there's going to be new gamma that you're creating in the present moment that's going to affect you in the future. And you would like all your new gamma to be wholesome, realizing that you're struggling with those three poisons. Those three poisons that we talked about last week your mind still has those. So you're still affected by craving, anger, and ignorance. So you're going to be making unwise decisions, even though you're trying to improve your wisdom and make better and better decisions, you're still going to be challenged to do that. So that's why you're getting your practice of the Eightfold Path underway to bring down your pollutions of mind so that they're not affecting you. And now you can make wiser and wiser decisions. Because the Buddha shares with us what is making and creating unwholesome gamma. And if you learned last week with me with the three poisons or the three unwholesome roots or the three fires, then you understand what craving, anger, and ignorance is. And this is what's causing all the unwholesome gamma to be generated. And you can see it here in the words of the Buddha, that monks, there are these three causes for the origination of unwholesome gamma. What three? Craving is the cause for the origination of unwholesome gamma. Anger is the cause for the origination of unwholesome gamma. Ignorance or the unknowing of true reality is the cause for the origination of unwholesome gamma. So looking at this closely, if you remember back to last week's class, craving or these selfish desires, this mental longing and strong eagerness, this obsession, as long as the mind is longing and yearning with craving, you're going to be making selfish decisions because you want the objects of your affection. You're yearning and longing for the objects of your affection. You're chasing after your selfish desires. And you're going to be making selfish decisions. And sometimes you're going to get what you want. You get those pleasant feelings. Sometimes you don't get what you want. But as long as you're making decisions based on craving, desire, attachment, it's going to produce unwholesome results. And then when you get what you want, you get those happy feelings, those pleasant feelings. When you don't get what you want, you get anger, you get hatred, you get ill will. This is what arises in the mind. And now with that anger, hatred, ill will, the frustration, irritation, annoyance, 
all of this being in the mind, now you're going to make unwise decisions through that anger, hatred, ill will, frustration, irritation, and annoyance. And now that's going to produce unwholesome results for you. So whenever your mind is angry, you should stop all decisions. You should postpone any and all decisions. As long as your mind's angry and hostile or aggressive and bitter, you're irritated, you're annoyed, whatever decisions you're making is going to be coming through that pollution and it's going to produce unwholesome results for you. Just like if your mind is craving and you're making decisions through that, it's going to produce unwholesome results for you. And where all of this is coming from is coming from the ignorance, the unknowing of true reality. When we're making decisions through the ignorance or unknowing of true reality, it's going to produce unwholesome results for us. So let me just take an example of say somebody wants to steal something. They see that somebody has a brand new computer and they have a craving for that brand new computer. They're longing and yearning for that brand new computer. And because of their ignorance and unknowing of true reality, not understanding the natural law of gamma, they choose to now steal this brand new computer from this person. Now in the present moment, they're making new gamma, which is unwholesome because of their ignorance, because of their unknowing of true reality. They don't understand the five precepts. They don't understand the natural law of gamma. So they think that they should just steal this brand new computer and that's the way to get the objects of their affection. That's how they get their cravings fulfilled. But now they're gonna be affected by that choice to steal at some point. They can't run and hide from their unwholesome gamma production. They're going to be affected by that regardless. So because of craving, because of anger, and because of ignorance, these pollutions in the mind, the mind is going to be producing unwholesome gamma. But it's the path to enlightenment, the eightfold path, that one is working to extinguish this craving, anger, and ignorance in order to arise the wholesome roots. And when you make decisions through the wholesome roots, now you're going to be producing wholesome gamma. So here the Buddha shares this. He says, monks, there are these three other causes for the origination of wholesome gamma. What three? One, non-craving or generosity is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. And then there's two, non-anger or loving kindness is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. And then three, non-ignorance or wisdom is the cause for the origination of wholesome gamma. So this is why you're being guided to understand to do breathing mindfulness meditation, which helps to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. And I've guided you to understand generosity to a certain degree, even though we're going to talk about it more next week. You're practicing generosity of giving and sharing more than is strictly required in any given situation of your time, your effort, and your energy and your resources so that now when you arise this generosity in the mind, the mind no longer functions through selfish desires. Because when there's craving, desire, attachment, the mind's holding on and you're now making decisions out of craving, desire, attachment, out of selfishness. But when you practice generosity, where you're giving and you're sharing, now the mind is no longer making decisions through its selfish desires. So you'll need to arise generosity in the mind and have this mental quality of generosity so that now you can generate wholesome results or wholesome gamma. And then you're practicing loving kindness meditation and then moving that loving kindness into your daily life through your intentions, your speech, and your actions. This is helping you to arise loving kindness or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. 
this loving beings as they are, having an active goodwill towards others. This is the exact opposite of anger, hatred, and ill will. When you practice loving kindness, you're now arising this loving kindness in your life and in your mind through your intentions, your speech, and your actions. And now that you're doing this, now you're producing wholesome gamma. And this is going to help you to make wiser decisions because now you're not functioning through the anger, hatred, ill will, the frustration, the irritation, the annoyance. So wherever you see those things arising in your mind, you should immediately try to transform it to loving kindness. And it might take you a while to do that. But where you see the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the hostility, the annoyance come into the mind, immediately think about loving kindness and permeating that in the mind and only making decisions once you have loving kindness permeating in the mind. And then the way that you put all of this into action is through non-ignorance or wisdom. And the way you get to wisdom is what I've been sharing with you all the way through this group learning program, where you're not believing the teachings. You're learning, you're reflecting to independently verify them, and you're practicing them. And this is what's transforming your mind away from belief or the unknowing of true reality, and you're moving the mind toward wisdom. And in this example that I gave you, you learned in the five precepts that it would be highly unwise to steal anything at all. And with that wisdom, now you purify your life practice, you no longer steal. And we can go through example after example of all the different wisdom that you've been learning from the Eightfold Path to the Five Precepts to lots of other teachings that I've shared with you where you've been gradually accumulating the wisdom about how to conduct yourself in your personal and professional relationships. And now this wisdom about the natural laws of existence, namely the natural law of gamma, you now put more and more of that into practice. And this is where you see the pollutions of your mind decreasing and you'll see the wholesome benefits increasing more and more. So you'll need to cultivate the wisdom. And as you're making decisions through wisdom, that's where you'll experience improved results. And this is where sometimes a student that's learning might be struggling with how to apply certain aspects of the teachings of the Eightfold Path to their daily life. And they'll reach out to their teacher, either in classes, with a private message, with personal guidance, or posting in our Facebook group, you might reach out and explain a certain challenge that you're encountering in life, and now you'll ask for help of applying the teachings of the Buddha in your life. And of course, what you choose to do is your decisions, but you might need the insight of somebody who understands the natural law of gamma more than you to be able to understand what are some potential options of how you can apply the teachings in order to extinguish this unwholesome gamma? Because the last thing you're interested in is rushing into a decision, making an unwise decision, because that's gonna always produce unwholesome results. So it's craving anger and ignorance is gonna lead to unwise decisions and produce unwholesome gamma, and it's generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom that is gonna produce wise decision-making for you, and then you'll experience wholesome results. So let me pause here because the next thing I'm gonna teach you is about how to clean up your old gamma that is unwholesome. But let me pause here and see what questions you guys have so far. You can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, and we'll see that in the comment section. Or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. There are no questions at the moment, sir. Okay, so let's move on to the next part of our class, which is to understand 
how to eliminate unwholesome karma because this is part of what you're doing on the path to enlightenment as you're arising your wisdom and you're also developing your generosity and loving kindness you're going to need to extinguish your unwholesome karma that's coming back to you this old karma is going to keep coming back to you because you've only been on the path for maybe three months or six months or something like that and even if you've been on the path for a year or two you're still going to have unwholesome karma that's coming back to you and you would like to extinguish this and this is how you do it the eightfold path is what the buddha is teaching you about how to make wise decisions. He teaches you wisdom, he teaches you moral conduct, and he teaches you mental discipline. And when you cultivate the wisdom of the Eightfold Path and you dial that in closer and closer, you are now making wise decisions through your life practice. So through learning, reflecting, and practicing the teachings that lead to enlightenment on the Eightfold Path, a practitioner is practicing more and more to make wise decisions that lead to wholesome gamma. And through producing only wholesome gamma, through making wise decisions on the Eightfold Path, you're extinguishing your old gamma that's coming back to you. And now you're cleaning up your gamma. You're cleaning up the past decisions. So let's just say that you stole this computer five years ago. And now, once again, you know, five years later, you get caught and somebody realizes that you stole the computer. All right, in that situation, you can continue to lie. You can continue to deflect and say that you didn't steal this, which is only going to continue to produce unwholesome karma. Or now that you learn these teachings, you could say, you know what? You're right. I stole this computer. This was wrong of me. I'm going to give it back to you. In fact, here's some money to be able to compensate you that you weren't able to use that computer over the last five years. And I would like you to go out to be able to buy a new computer of your choosing. Right. So you can take responsibility for your decisions, because with wrong view, oftentimes what the unrelated mind is doing is it's blaming other people for the things that you experience in life. But if you understand everything you're experiencing is a result of your decisions, then you can take responsibility for the things that you're experiencing in life and make wiser decisions that lead to wholesome outcomes. But if you were to continue to make unwise decisions as your unwholesome karma is coming back to you, then you're going to continue to experience unwholesome karma. So the Eightfold Path, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, the Buddha is explaining to you the perfect plan the complete and perfect plan to dial this in closer and closer, that then you're going to be making only wise decisions about things that in your life. Essentially, the way that I can describe this through an analogy is what we've been doing in the past is we've been shoving mud into our garden hose. We've had this garden hose and we've been shoving mud into it because of our lack of wisdom, right? You're not a bad person. You haven't necessarily done anything wrong. It's just because of this ignorance or unknowing of true reality, this lack of wisdom, even though we thought that we had the very best intentions, even though we thought we were speaking in the very best way, even though we thought our actions were the very best, we were putting unwise decisions into our life and it's like putting this mud into the garden hose. And now what you're doing by learning the AFO path and dialing that in closer and closer is you're taking this garden hose and you're hooking it up to a faucet. And now you turn on the faucet. And depending on how much you turn on the faucet, you now have clean water coming through the garden hose. Are you coming to classes regularly? Are you reading your books? 
Are you meditating? Are you applying effort to ask questions and understand from your teacher? That's going to determine how wide you're opening this faucet. If you're just showing up to a class once every two months, okay, that's what you're able to do now. You've got a little drip going through the, the water hose, and it's going to take a really long time to clean up this mud out of the garden hose. But if you're coming to class regularly, you're reading books, you're meditating, you're seeking guidance with your teacher, you've opened up that faucet really wide. And now this clear, pure water is coming through the garden hose. But this garden hose, because of the mud that we put into it in the past, it's going to spit mud for a while. It's going to spit this mud. And it's, we're going to get a bunch of mud, then we're going to get some clear water. We're going to get a bunch of mud, and then we're going to get some clear water. But eventually, if you put enough clear water into this garden hose, it's going to have nothing but pure water coming out. Eventually, you might even be able to take a drink out of the garden hose because there's such pure water coming out of it. So that's essentially what you're doing with the Eightfold Path is you're trying to learn it and dial it in closer and closer to include your meditation and that moral conduct and everything else that I taught you. You're trying to dial that in closer and closer so you're ramping up your practice of the Eightfold Path and you're bringing down the unwise decisions that you're making. And more and more, you're going to get pure water coming out of this garden hose but it's going to spit dirty mud for a while. There's going to be unwholesome results coming back to you. But when those unwholesome results come back to you, whether it's harshness in your relationships, maybe your children are disrespectful, maybe your parents, you have a unhealthy relationship with them or your siblings, or maybe some of your coworkers or your boss at work, you have an unhealthy relationship with them. You're going to experience the results of this because this is what you created in terms of the decisions that you made in the past. So now you need to clean this up. And in some cases, you're going to choose to leave the relationship and move on. In other situations, you're going to choose to repair that relationship because you're committed to it. And in other situations, you're going to make new relationships and move on and go beyond this. And now you're going to only be making wise decisions in those relationships. So this is how you clean up your garden hose is you practice the Eightfold Path. You need to learn and practice it to include meditation, but there's other parts to the Eightfold Path. You wouldn't be able to meditate your way to enlightenment. It's not possible to meditate your way to enlightenment. This is another myth in the Buddhist communities that people think the Buddha sat under a tree, he meditated, and he instantly got to enlightenment. But if you learn his teachings, he shares with you, no, that's not what he did, that it was gradual training, gradual practice, and gradual progress. And he did this over a six-year period. So it's going to take you some time to gradually learn, gradually practice, and gradually experience the results. But as you get deeper and deeper into your practice, you're accumulating more and more of the results, more and more of the benefits, and you're going to see the discontentedness gradually diminish. You're going to see your personal professional relationships gradually improve and blossom. Essentially what this is, is more and more clean water coming out of your garden hose. But you're going to have dirty water coming out of your garden hose as you are moving forward with this. But when that dirty water is coming out, when that mud is coming out, you don't create more mud. You don't put more mud back in the garden hose. You just keep practicing to make wise decisions. And this is where you might need to reach out to your teacher for help. Let's talk about the laws of society. And this is actually the last thing I have to share with you guys related to our discussion today. And then I'll open up to any and all questions that you guys have related to the natural law of gamma. Because 
the laws of society that we've created, a lot of times people look at those as being your gamma. And they are. It's part of your gamma. The results of breaking a law, if you go to jail or you get a fine or a penalty or something like this, this is the results of your decisions. This is your gamma. But it's not your entire gamma. So the laws that we create, these are human laws. These are laws of society. So because they were created by humans, they are imperfect. They cannot be created, implemented, and enforced equally and fairly by all beings. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't aspire to create and implement and apply and enforce the human laws equally and fairly to all beings, because we should always aspire to do that. But if you are understanding true reality and you understand that because of human laws, humans are creating these laws, the laws themselves are imperfect and they can't be applied perfectly in, a, in the world because this isn't a perfect world. So this natural law of gamma, it functions perfectly. It's always there. So you have the human laws, which are kind of like a certain level. And then the natural law of gamma is a much higher law than the human laws. So if you learn and you practice the natural law of gamma, you'll never have any problems with the human laws because the natural law of gamma is a much higher law than anything that we've ever created in human society or, or human laws. So just understand that certain laws that are created, they're imperfect from the beginning when they were created. And then when they're implemented and enforced, they're also being implemented and enforced inequitably and unfairly. And this is just the nature of humans, that we aren't perfect and we can't create, implement, and enforce laws equally and fairly for all beings, even though we should aspire to do so. And this will help you that when you see certain court cases, for example, in the public, in the public eye, there might be a certain court case. If you see somebody found guilty or not guilty, it's important for you to understand that that's not their entire gamma. That if somebody is well known to have committed murder, for example, and they go to the court system and they're found to be not guilty, that's not their entire gamma. So let's just say somebody has blood on their hands, blood in their living room, blood in their car, blood on their clothes, and let's just say the bloody footprint is at the scene of the crime and then they go away to court and the court finds them not guilty. Okay, that's one aspect of their gamma, that they were found not guilty. But they can't run and hide from this experience that they made the choice to kill somebody or multiple people. So their consequences that they're going to experience are above and beyond just jail and punishment that they would have gotten from the court system. That's not their entire gamma. This individual, even having been found not guilty, they're going to suffer and experience a bad reputation in the community. They'll experience potentially sickness, disease, physical and mental pain, a shorter lifespan. They'll have certain hostility, aggression, fights. They could be killed themselves in another situation. They can have a loss of income and wealth because they find it difficult to be able to maintain their wealth and their income. 
they will continue to have difficulties in relationships because in order to murder somebody, you need to have a significant amount of craving, a significant amount of anger, and a significant amount of ignorance in order to choose to kill a human being. And that craving, anger, and ignorance doesn't just go away because they were found not guilty in a court of law. So they're gonna continue to have craving, anger, and ignorance, and they're gonna experience all kinds of difficulties in their relationships. They're gonna have challenges securing and progressing in their employment. They're gonna have difficulty securing housing and acquiring the basic necessities that they need in order to sustain life. This is all a result of their decisions. So the court might've found them not guilty, but they're gonna still experience all these consequences. And even the consequences of discontentedness, there might be a certain amount of guilt or shame or fear that is in the mind that plagues their mind throughout their life. They can't ever really rest and relax because they have this guilt, shame, and fear that's pervasive in the mind. So they're gonna be plagued by this discontentedness throughout their whole life, having killed that human being. And now they're also potentially going to experience rebirth. And if they experience rebirth, this is also part of their gamma, the results of their decisions. So just because somebody is found not guilty or they somehow find a way to skirt around the laws of society, you can't run and hide from the results of your decisions. Even if you're a super wealthy individual who's very powerful and very well known in the world, and you might have been committing criminal laws throughout your whole life, eventually all that stuff catches up to you. But in all that period of time, you've been suffering from a bad reputation, from sickness, disease, certain physical and mental pains. You've been having a certain amount of hostility, aggressive fights and different difficulties, a loss of wealth and income, difficulties in your relationships, and all kinds of discontentedness in the mind. And when you have this craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind, and the mind's polluted, you're going to lack focus, you're going to lack concentration, you're going to lack clarity of mind, and you're going to lack the ability to have a deep memory. So even if you're rich and wealthy and powerful and you've skirted the law for a significant period of time in your life, all of this is still going to be plaguing you that you're gonna have a really difficult time even putting sentences together and talking in a coherent way that people can understand. You'll be very disgruntled, very angry, very hostile, very bitter, and this is going to plague you in your relationships. So when you see people going through the court system, if they're found guilty or not guilty, you don't have to get all worked up about it because you can't run and hide from the gamma, you nor anyone else. So even if someone's found not guilty, they are going to experience the results of their decisions, either in this life, their next life, or some subsequent occasion. They can't run and hide from that. So I'm gonna pause here. This is everything that I had to share with you guys on this natural law, and we can go deeper into it because the way that I teach is I teach at a certain level of detail, and then I let you guys ask questions to decide to go deeper into it. And then of course, as you continue forward on the path to enlightenment, you're learning more and more about this natural law, but this is a really good introduction to help you understand wholesome gamma, unwholesome gamma, new gamma and old gamma. You're gonna to need to understand these four types because you're experiencing those all the time. You're experiencing wholesome gamma, you're experiencing unwholesome gamma, you're experiencing your old gamma coming back to you from the past, and you're producing new gamma in the present moment. And you'll need to focus in on this so that all your new gamma is wholesome gamma, 
but fully realizing because you still have craving anger and ignorance in the mind, there's going to be some unwise decisions that you make. And more and more as you bring those down and you bring up your wise decisions, you'll see more and more improvements to the condition of your mind in your life. So if you'd like to ask questions, put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like. There is a question in Zoom. Marcy has their, their hand raised, so I'm going to unmute them. Thank you. Um, so, Teacher David, the question I have is, uh, let me just give you the situation, um, which may help a little bit better. I have this new client, and this new client experiences, um, you know, uh, you know, fainting spells, things of this nature. She's, she's, she's extremely dramatic. Um, and I have that I've noticed that I experience, um, annoyance with her, um, that I'm feeling annoyed. Uh, I'm feeling an annoyance in, in her drama and stuff. Um, but I have chosen that I'm going to continue to work with this client because i I'm finding it is a, a learning lesson. Is that something that's okay to do? to keep myself in a situation where I'm feeling annoyance, but in the time I'm feeling the annoyance, I'm you know, practicing letting the annoyance go and just accepting her for who she is and just uh, practicing love and kindness and generosity and taking care of her. Is that something that's, that I should do? In my opinion, this is wise because if there's annoyance in the mind, it's because of a craving desire attachment that you're having. And by maintaining being in that situation, as long as there's nothing unwholesome going on, like someone snorting cocaine or having sexual misconduct or lying or stealing, as long as that kind of stuff isn't happening, then yeah, it's wise for you to train your mind to let go of that craving. But as it relates to this topic of the natural law of gamma, I think you're doing elderly care now, right? Yes. Okay. So let's and, use that. And for disability, for people with disabilities. So this woman is my age. Okay. So she has a lot of dis disabilities, mental illness. Like basically, we'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. So let's use this example. So there's one facet of this that you're experiencing agitation and annoyance, and you're choosing to stay in that situation, having her as a client so that you can train your mind to let go of your craving desire attachment. So that's working on your craving desire attachment. But now understanding the natural law of gamma, what you're looking at is ensuring that you're not making decisions through your agitation. So say you go into work, you visit them at their house, and your mind's completely fine, you're peaceful, you're joyful, hello, how are you, nice to see you, how are you feeling today, whatever it is that you say when you go in, and now you start cleaning up or you start helping them with their medications or whatever it is that, that's going on, and you're able to make fine decisions. But now let's just say something happens and you notice agitation arise in the mind. In that situation, you're not interested in making decisions based on your agitation. So if you were to become bitter and harsh, or if you were to like slap them or yell at them to sit down, this would be like you making decisions through that anger because of your craving, your anger and your ignorance, you're now becoming 
to the point where your intentions, your speech, and your actions are harmful, and this is going to produce unwholesome results for you. So when you see that agitation arise, what you might need to do is walk to another room and calm down. Or you might go clean a bathroom if that's part of your responsibilities while you're there. Maybe you clean the bathroom and you kind of let the agitation come down. And now when you're feeling better, you walk back into the room, you smile and you say, is there anything else that you need before I leave? I'm getting ready to head out. And I would just like to check with you to see if there's anything you need. Whereas if you were agitated when you do that, you might have said something aggressive and harsh. You know, I'm leaving now. You know, is there anything you need before I get out of here? Right. Like that's going to produce unwholesome karma. So since you understand that unwholesome karma is produced by craving anger and ignorance, you would now like to arise generosity and loving kindness and wisdom so that now maybe you come into their space and maybe you bring them a little bit of chocolate or maybe you bring them a little flower or maybe you bring them a little a cd some music for them to listen to or something and you practice some generosity with them and then when you see them you have loving kindness this genuine interest in seeing them be well and where this is coming from is your wisdom so now when you're practicing this this is going to produce wholesome results for you and wherever you see craving anger and ignorance arising in the mind you know that you would like to cut that off and let it go and that might require you to redirect the mind go into another room calm down a little bit before you now get involved with them and start interacting with them because as soon as you have contact with them if you allow that craving anger and ignorance to arise and it comes out in your intention speech and your actions it's going to produce unwholesome results so that's why it's helpful to break contact go away calm your mind down, whatever you need to do. You know your, your work better than I do. And then once you're done with that, now you come back and have contact again when you've arisen this generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom in the mind. Thank you, Teacher David. Um, that actually helps a lot because what I was doing is she can't climb stairs. So when I was feeling myself annoyed, I would go down in the cellar and work on laundry. <laughs> and then I mm -hmm. would come up and be more um you know kind so that actually that helps a great deal I, that makes me feel like i'm on the right uh, practicing in the correct manner mm -hmm. um the other question that i have teacher david and i know that we've had private sessions about this is i've had a very uh tumultuous relationship with my family and i have decided to focus my loving kindness meditation on that so that i can let go of all of the ill will that i have towards them when i do this loving kindness meditation towards them is this a way for me to generate wholesome karma? And is it okay to have love and kindness for people that have caused harm from a distance? Like I don't want a relation, I'm not interested in having a relationship with these people because I understand that they are still practicing unwholesome ways and I don't wanna associate with that. Um, but I also want to be able to not have any kind of ill will or hatred or animosity towards them and can I do that from a distance and that still put me as creating wholesome karma for myself? The short answer is yes because whenever you're arising loving kindness and you're arising that loving kindness out of your wisdom because you know based on what you've studied that the exact opposite of anger, hatred, or will is loving kindness so you're wisely choosing to put them into your loving kindness meditation and now this is transforming your mind 
you may not ever have any contact with them ever again. Or you may at some point in the future. You don't know because it's the future. But as long as you have anger, hatred, ill will in your mind towards those people, when you come in contact with them, it's going to arise. And now it's going to produce intention, speech, and actions through anger, hatred, and ill will. And it's going to produce unwholesome karma. So wisely, you're choosing to focus internally do loving kindness meditation, do not have contact with them. And you can love people from afar. You can you can have a genuine interest in seeing them be well. You can love them as they are. You're not trying to change them. You're not judging them. You're not putting yourself above them or below them. But you just realize like, hey, they're into things that I'm not interested in being involved in. I'm just going to keep a distance and work on my mind to only have nothing but loving kindness towards these beings. And if at some point in the future, they're at a point where they have loving kindness and I have loving kindness and we can have a healthy relationship. Wonderful. Let's do that. But if it never comes to that, then that's fine, too. I think you guys have heard me share before that there were times where I would go away from my mom for three to five years sometimes, and then I would come back together and we would have three months, six months together. Things would get hostile again. I would need to go away and we would come back. And with my sister, there was a period of time where we went away from each other for about 15 years um, and we needed to be away from each other that long. She was doing certain work. I was doing certain work. And by the time we came back together, everything was was wonderful. And we're able to have a healthy relationship from that point forward. So this is a common part of the path to enlightenment is that when we're younger, our life is kind of wide open and we lack wisdom and we have all these different relationships and they're impacting us in all these different significant ways. And then as we get older, the people that we spend time with narrows and it comes down smaller and smaller and we get into like the knot of a bow tie if you think about this as a bow tie and it's coming down you get into the knot of the bow tie and this is where you're doing the work on your mind and you're transforming your mind and then as you make those transformations then your life expands back out on the other side of the bow tie and now you start being able to have all kinds of personal and professional relationships that are beyond what you ever imagined possible because now your mind's in a better condition to be able to have healthy relationships where in the past our mind lacked the wisdom of how to do that because we had so much craving anger and ignorance in the mind but as you start arising this generosity loving kindness and wisdom Um, you'll be better at having relationships. Even the first part of having a relationship is choosing who to have a relationship with. Because oftentimes we've made choices in the past without any wisdom. We made choices of who to involve in our life. And we didn't realize until six months or two years later that it was an unwise decision. So with more wisdom, we will make wiser choices about who to have relationships with. And then when we're in those relationships, we will be better in those relationships and interacting with people that we won't allow the mind to have craving, anger, and ignorance to produce unwholesome results. So therefore, we'll have better and better relationships. So loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness is a big part of that. So what you're describing is 100% what you would like to do in order to let go of any anger, hatred, or will for people in the past. This is how you're cleaning up your karma. And at this point, you probably have no idea whether you'll ever interact with those people or not. And you don't need to make a decision right now. That's not where you're at in life. Right now, you're trying to let go of this anger, hatred, and ill will from the past. And that's what you're working on. 
what you decide to do in the future is yet to be determined and you just postpone that and just work on your own mind because if you're ever to have a healthy relationship with these individuals you're going to need to let go of that anger hatred or will and that's where you're at right now and that's what you would like to ensure you focus on thank you so much teacher david mm -hmm. you're welcome thank you sir joe also has a question oh um I guess my question is kind of revolves around, I guess we all are existing right now because of our past comma. Um, so, and I was just curious about other people's comma, I guess, you know, dealing with like corruption and stuff, like how do you prove that, you know, their comma will lead them into, you know, their next life. Um, and, you know, I guess a general question is, if you if you uh, become enlightened, and you know, um, I guess there is no more karma for you, uh, or maybe it's good karma. But anyways, you don't exist anymore, perhaps. Uh, so you just kind of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, let's let's take you know, let's, it's like when you die, you know, there's nothing. Um, you don't know you existed. You you know, you don't know that you died, you don't know that you lived. Um getting off subject here, but um yeah, so we all exist because we because of our past karma and you know, say a corrupt politician or something like that, you know, how do you know that they're gonna experience their karma? I don't know, I guess if you know, how do you prove that or I don't know. <laughs> Just okay. Some Let's take one at a time and I'll help you with that. So I'm going to take the second one first. Okay. And then that'll help you with the, the, the first one. So your first one is kind of around the idea of, you know, you talked about when you get to enlightenment, you don't have any more gamma and that you no longer exist. Okay. So this isn't what is actually the truth. When you get to enlightenment, you only are producing wholesome gamma because you're only making wise decisions. So you're only producing wholesome gamma. You still have gamma, but it's all wholesome at that point. You've extinguished all your unwholesome gamma by the time you got to enlightenment. And now as an enlightened being, the Buddha didn't teach what happens next. He didn't say whether you exist or you don't exist. So sometimes one of the misunderstandings in the world is people think when you get to enlightenment and you die, that you no longer exist. But the Buddha didn't teach this. This is just something that people believe nowadays, but it's not actually true. That there isn't anyone who has attained enlightenment and died and then come back to teach us. Because once you attain enlightenment and you die, you're not coming back. So nobody has experienced enlightenment, died and come back. So therefore, one of the reasons I suspect the Buddha left it as an undeclared teaching is that he didn't experience it. He never experienced it. He taught only what he experienced. So he left it as an undeclared teaching of once you attain enlightenment and die, what happens next is an undeclared teaching. Another reason why I suspect he left it as an undeclared teaching is he didn't say whether there is something next or there isn't something next. But if there is something next and it's better than what we're experiencing in this life, and he described what that is, that's just one more craving that the mind has to eliminate in order to get to enlightenment. If somebody's craving to get to that thing that's next after enlightenment, 
then they're not going to be enlightened because they're still craving that thing. So wisely, if he did know what was next, he didn't teach it because that way people don't have to crave that thing and try to eliminate that craving. But in reality, by the time you get to enlightenment, your mind is so peaceful and so joyful that if there is something next, it's either as good as what you're experiencing now or better, or if there isn't anything next, then so what? Your mind is so peaceful, so joyful, you're no longer afraid of death by the time you get to enlightenment that it doesn't matter what's next. You just don't even think about it. You don't worry about it. You don't really care because if you've gotten to enlightenment, your mind is so peaceful and so joyful. Life is so fulfilling and so rewarding. It really doesn't matter if there's anything next or what may or may not be next. So that's the, the second question first is that there is still gamma when you're enlightened, but it's just all wholesome gamma because you're now making only wise decisions and you've extinguished all your unwholesome gamma. Now, the first question, which I'll take second. Can you repeat that to me, Joe? Well, I think it was, <laughs> we all exist because of our past gamma, I think. Was that the first question I asked? Oh, your first question was about the politician. How can you be sure oh, that yeah, a politician yeah, is going yeah. to be able to get their unwholesome gamma, whether it's in this life or some future life? So what I would encourage people to do is to not look at other people's life and ensure that they're going to get their karma because this is kind of like a little bit of ill will in there like yeah i want to make sure they get their karma kind of thing instead what you do is you focus on your own life and you focus on your own karma and you focus on improving your wisdom so that you can extinguish your unwholesome karma and produce only wholesome karma and as your mind gets closer and closer to enlightenment you'll see that this is the truth what happens to other people while there should be a concern for their misfortune, you shouldn't get to the point where it's like you're kind of wanting to make sure that other people get what they deserve because everybody will get what they deserve. You'll see that through your own experience. If you focus on your own life and your own life practice, your own mind, you'll see that if you've been yelling or hollering at your life partner, for example, they most likely yell and holler at you. Or if you yell and holler at your life partner, your children will probably yell and holler at you too because you're teaching them how to do that through your own actions. Your gamma is coming back to you and you can't escape that. And then in order for you to clean this up, you're gonna need to clean up your practice first. You're gonna have to clean up your mind and now you're gonna need to start being polite, kind, friendly, respectful to your partner, to your children and help them to gradually see that you've improved your conduct and you would like them to do the same. And then as a family, now everybody improves together and extinguishes this unwholesome karma in the past. And you'll be able to see that you can't escape your unwise decisions. Or like if you have challenges at work or challenges with your parents or challenges with your siblings or other challenges, you'll see that anything that you've done, either wise or unwise, it's gonna come back and you're going to experience it. So any kind of other people, you know that you're just like them, that anything that you're experiencing that is wholesome or unwholesome is coming back to you. And you'll know that other people are experiencing that too. And you may not be there. You're most likely not gonna be there when they're experiencing it because you're not there in every single decision that they make. And you're not going to be there when they're experiencing every little thing that they experience. So sometimes there might be a public figure who's in the public light. And for 20 or 30 years, everyone thinks that this person is so wonderful and so amazing. And they have a certain public image. But in the background, they've been doing a lot of unwise things. And then, well, boom, 
now there's this unwholesome gamma that they experienced because they've been doing all these unwise things and now everybody learns the true story. You know, there's been some celebrities who everyone has looked at as being so loving and so kind and so wonderful and then come to find out 30 years later, 40 years later, they've been doing all these unwholesome things and it just comes to light, you know, 30 or 40 years later. But you shouldn't look to those people and ensure that they're getting what they deserve because they're going to get what they are supposed to get. And remember, it's not punishment and rewards. It's just the results of their decisions. But instead, focus on your own life, your own karma, work on extinguishing your karma, your old, or I'm sorry, uh, work on extinguishing all your unwholesome karma by producing only wholesome karma through making wise decisions. And as you see your unwholesome karma coming back and you extinguishing it, and your wholesome karma coming back and you're experiencing the benefits of that, then you can have the confidence that other people are experiencing the exact same thing as you. You're not unique that everybody is going to be experiencing the same exact things. That answers that question. I just had one more. Sure. I have 10 more um, if you like. It's about <clears throat> knowing what is unwholesome karma, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, through day-to-day -day life, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I should have said that or done that. Um, and I guess a good practice would just be sort of go through the eightfold path and, you know, so you're not killing, stealing and, you know, et cetera, then I guess there's no need to worry about it, um, per se. It's just about defining, you know, comma. Like, I don't know, when I left Maine, I didn't say bye to everyone that I, you know, knew. And I don't know, I felt bad about not saying bye to some people, but, you know, I don't it's not like we were really close or something, but it's just, uh, you know, I don't, I guess I shouldn't feel bad about that. And maybe that's just my attachment to something, but um, I guess determining what is, is different. Yeah. You can wait for a novice to sort of go about it. Yeah, this is one of the benefits of learning about the natural law of gamma is that once you understand the natural law of gamma, then you're going to have this wisdom and then you won't have to worry about certain things that you're doing in the world. You'll just know that you've had right intention, you've had right speech, you've had right action, and you're not causing any harm, so therefore harm isn't coming back to you. So in this situation where you chose not to say goodbye to people, you didn't do anything that is harmful in that situation. So therefore, you're not going to experience any unwholesome results. You, you didn't have any contact with an individual to do something harmful that is then going to come back to cause harm to you. Whereas if you went to say goodbye to somebody and you yelled and hollered and screamed at them, which obviously you didn't do, but if you did, that's contact. So there needs to be contact in order for there to be gamma created. If there's no contact, you can't create gamma. So by you not going to talk to somebody, there wasn't contact, so there couldn't be gamma generated in that situation. So you don't have to worry about any unwholesome results because you didn't have any contact to make unwise decisions that's going to lead to unwholesome results in that situation. But in your daily life, where you're curious about whether you made a wise decision or unwise decision, yes, you consult the Eightfold Path. That's what that book is for. That's what all the other resources that I share are for, that if you had a conversation with your boss or with a customer or your life partner or somebody, and you're not quite sure whether you handled that well, then you consult right speech 
in the Eightfold Path and you look at those five factors of well-spoken speech and try to discern whether or not you made wise decisions in that conversation. And if you can come to a conclusion, great. If you can't, then you reach out to your teacher and you say, hey, here's a situation I had. I said this, I said this, I said that, I said that. Is this going to produce unwholesome karma? And then we help you to gain clarity and vision and understanding and wisdom of this natural law. And more and more as you dial in your practice and you just know these teachings inside and out, backwards and forwards, you'll be practicing these more and more readily, making these wise decisions and you won't be producing any unwholesome gamma because you're only making wise decisions and you'll have the wisdom to know 100% certainty that you haven't done anything in that situation. So let me just give you an example from my life. Right now, I'm involved in some conversations about something and there's like one or two of the people that are becoming a bit hostile, a little bit bitter and resentful in the conversation. And I know with these people that 100% I have never had any kind of bitter, harsh, or aggressive conversations with them. But yet these people are choosing to be that way with me in this situation. I know that this is just because of their craving, their anger, and their ignorance. This is what they're choosing to do. I didn't create that situation. So this is one of the things that you can have when you have wisdom of the natural law of gamma and you know with 100% certainty that you've been practicing the Eightfold Path in its entirety to perfection, then these individuals who might occasionally you come into contact with who might be bitter and harsh or aggressive with you you can just smile and be at ease and you know that you didn't do anything that this is just their own craving anger and ignorance in their own mind and you don't have to worry about oh my goodness you know what did i do how did i do this so even when your mind is enlightened you're going to still encounter certain people who have craving anger and ignorance in their mind and they're going to be bitter and harsh with you so just because you're making wise decisions and you're enlightened it doesn't mean that everyone in your life is treating you with the utmost respect you're still going to encounter people who are disrespectful who are impolite who are unkind and who are unfriendly but by the time your mind gets to enlightenment you will have such wisdom of the natural law of gamma and your mind will be so well protected that when someone is bitter and harsh and aggressive with you or disrespectful your mind can remain peaceful and joyful regardless of how they're interacting and one of the ways you get to that is you understand the natural law of gamma and what you're doing in any situation so in each relationship you know that maybe for six years you've been loving and kind and respectful and now your partner is being that way with you and you always have warm loving words with each other but maybe in this relationship that you just met this person a month or two ago you've also been loving and kind and, and nothing but respectful in that relationship but they're choosing to be bitter and harsh to you for one reason or another and you know that this is because of their craving anger and ignorance and then you need to make a decision do I maintain this relationship and continue in it? Is it possible for us to improve this relationship and them to no longer function that way? Or is this a relationship that I'd like to move on from? But either way, if your mind isn't having craving yourself, then your mind is protected and you won't experience discontentedness when someone's being impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful to you. And can I have one more question? You can have 20 more. <laughs> Last time it was 10 um, more. Now you can have 20 more. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of families when I was growing up help me out. Um, just 
that were, you know, went above and beyond and um, this, that, and the other. And I guess I have, I don't know, I was grateful and I said, you know, obviously thank you and, you know, all of this um, when, at the time when I was younger. But I don't know, as I grow older, I realize how much work it must have been for them to, you know, take on this extra kid, you know, like every weekend or, you know, um, and I, uh, I'm assuming that's my own sort of uh, craving attachment. Um, and so, uh, and they, you know, they haven't said anything, but I don't know. I feel guilty and I'm assuming I, you know, I kind of go with my gut and I feel not so great or guilty about something then I assume something must be wrong. Um, not necessarily what I did, but just not, you know, maybe the way it should have been or should be now. Um, that's the part one. And the part two is Let, you, let's do let's do one. Just, uh, let's do one at a time, Joe, because I like to do one thing at a time. <laughs> All right. So the first one, if you're experiencing guilt, OK, this is discontentedness. And what causes discontentedness? Great craving right so you're craving something so you need to look inside and say what is my craving desire attachment here am i what am i wanting what am i expecting what am i longing and yearning for and when you uncover what that is it might be multiple things then you understand why you're feeling guilty can you investigate that now or do you need some time to think about that um well i've thought about it and i've always thought like well maybe i should do something nice for them you know because they did so much for me and you know they're you know these guys are like probably 70, 75, and I know they're not going to be around much longer. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. And then I feel bad because, you know, maybe I'm not doing anything, but they would never want me to. I know that, but I don't know. So it's just me. So the way that you can release this craving is you can cut it off and let it go, or you can fulfill it. So if you have a, a craving to do something for them, then do it and then you can release that craving. So if it's buy them some chocolate and have it sent to their home or whatever, you can do that. And then that will release your craving and thus you won't feel the guilt anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had well, this I had this similar situation that, you know, my grandmother, she took a lot of good care of me as I was growing up. And my grandfather died in 1995. And when he was dying, I knew that he was really attached to my grandmother and he was always her caregiver and took care of her a lot. And I said, you know, don't worry, Grandpa, I'm here. You know, I'll take care of Grandma. Anything she ever needs, I will take care of it for her. You can die in peace. And he just smiled and, and he said, really? I said, yes. So when he died in 1995, I assured him that I was going to take care of Grandma no matter what she needed. And that's what I did throughout our life. But my grandmother was of similar to what it sounds like you're friends are these people are that she never wanted anything so every time I always offered things she always rejected it and rejected it and rejected it so there was a period of time where when I moved to Thailand for about seven years I wasn't in contact with anybody back in the US and then I got back in touch with my grandmother and it was funny I called her she said hello I said hi grandma she said, who is this? I said, David. She said, David who? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, hasn't it? She's like, yeah, this is David. She's like, oh my goodness. So then of course we caught up and we talked and we chatted and she's 99 years old now. And I said to her, as I said, uh, you know, grandma, is there anything that you need? She goes, no, I don't need anything. I was like, well, you know, I told grandpa I would take care of you 
you know, while he died and, and I would like to be sure you have everything you need. And he's like, David, I have everything I need. So then I said, well, you used to like chocolate a lot. Do you have any chocolate there? And she's like, no, I don't have any chocolate. I said, okay, well, I'd like to send you some chocolate. Can I send you some chocolate? She said, sure. And I said, I know you like to read and you used to like to read Western books, uh, stories about Western life. How about if I buy you a couple books? She's like, all right, that'll be fine. And I said, I heard you like to do crossword puzzles and that's something that you do. How about if I buy you a few crossword puzzles? She goes, yeah, that'd be fine. So I bought all those things for her and I shipped them out to her through Amazon because I'm living in Thailand and it arrived and she felt really great that she received these things. And I knew that I fulfilled my obligation that I promised my grandfather that I would take care of grandma. And now it also helped her to let go of any cravings that she might have had to, for these things. Because now I ask her, I say, Grandma, would you like some chocolate? She's like, no, I don't need any more chocolate. I was like, what about a Western book? She's like, no, I don't need that anymore. I was like, what about crossword puzzles? She's like, nope, I got plenty of those. So that tells me that she's fulfilled her cravings now, that she doesn't need those things. So it helps her to get closer to enlightenment. So you can fulfill any kind of cravings that you have. And this would be that those people's gamma coming back to them. If they took really good care of you and now you choose to send them something or do something for them or go visit them or whatever it is, you are now giving them their gamma back. And this is their wholesome gamma. This is old gamma that they have that is wholesome. And now it's coming back to them. So my grandmother was receiving all this wholesome gamma. It was her old gamma. It was from decisions she made in the past but it was wholesome. It was coming back to her and it was wholesome. So she received it. And when I first started explaining to her that I would like to send her some chocolate and book and crossword puzzles, she was like, no, 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 don't go to any trouble. And I was like, no, grandma, this is what I would like to do. This is the results of your decisions of having taken care of me so well when I was a child. Now I would like to take care of you. Will you allow me to do this? And she said, yeah, okay, you can do it. Right. So you can give them their karma back and it will help you to let go of any potential cravings and then you'll be free of that guilt. Great. Thank you. You have it a second part, didn't you? Oh, yeah. But it was more of a comment, I guess. And it wasn't a question. But, I, you know, uh, I kind of figured it out on my own. But um, it was just if you had wronged someone in the past and then you either apologized or made it right in your mind and they chose to not receive that well or say you know i don't forgive you or something like that um at that point you've sort of done your part if you've done it sincerely anyways and the rest is sort of their problem or you know craving attachment you know exactly if they're going to hold on to anger or resentment then they're holding on to that and it's going to plague them but if you've made amends and you've attempted to make amends, if, you'd, if that's what you would like to do and you've apologized, you've cleaned up your karma. So if you have personal relationship in the past, personal relationships that have gone not well, I don't suggest you go back to try to fix those. Like say ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-things like this. If you went back to those personal relationships and tried to clean them up, maybe it's been five years, 10 years, 20 years, your mind might be in a better place, but their mind isn't necessarily. You can just move on. You can do what Marcy was talking about, which is train your mind to have loving kindness through your meditation, 
doing this from afar, realizing that you're not required to go back and apologize and say you're sorry, but just let it go and realize that if you ever came in contact with those people again, you would be loving and kind to them and you don't have any animosity or any resentfulness. But oftentimes if you go back, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, those people still have resentfulness or animosity. And now you put yourself back in that situation where now they're venting their animosity. Now, if you have a professional relationship and say three years ago or five years ago, you did something unwise and and it's going to affect your livelihood, I do suggest you go back and you address that, that you go back and make amends and apologize and and clean that up because it's going to affect your livelihood and your ability to sustain your life. You have this potentially bad reputation in the workforce and now this is going to affect you. So if you can handle that, it can be wise to go back and address any kind of professional relationships. But don't feel like you have to go back and apologize because that person may not be receiving of your apology. The best thing is, is that now in the present moment, if you're doing something that is unwise and you realize it is to apologize, if it's been a couple of minutes or a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of months, and you can apologize now in the present moment so that this doesn't create any kind of resentfulness on the part of the other person, then you can just apologize. You can clear your consciousness and you can know that uh, your mind has done everything that you need to do and you can put this in the past. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. There's also a question from Alexo. He says, teacher David, can you please talk about the connection between merit and karma? Sure. This is what we're going to be talking about next week, Alasco. It's chapter 10. I'd prefer to talk about it then because it, you know, I need a lot of time to go through and actually explain it. But I can explain this a little bit for you now. Is that merit is wholesome karma. So when you're producing merit, which you guys will learn about next week, is it's the giving and sharing of more than is strictly required uh, of your time, effort, energy, or resources towards helping the continuation of the teachings of the Buddha continue in the world, this is producing merit, which is based in generosity. You would need to practice generosity as you just understood here today and in other classes. You would need to practice generosity with everybody in different situations in order to get to enlightenment. But there's also a certain type of generosity that we call merit, which is giving and sharing your time, effort, energy, and resources towards the continued sharing of Gautama Buddha's teachings. And this is wholesome gamma, because when you come in contact with somebody, because the Buddha describes the four individuals who you should look to produce merit with is a stream enter, a once returner, a non-returner, and an otter hunt. This is the first, second, third, and fourth stage of enlightenment. And he says that you should look to make offerings to these people. And these people are the ones who are sharing the teachings with the Buddha in the world to be able to help you to learn and practice. And by you being able to have enough wisdom to identify one of those individuals, and then you come in contact with them and you make an offering to an individual, you're producing wholesome gamma in that you're supporting that individual to then be able to bring the teachings into the world, but also you're coming in contact with that individual to then be able to ask questions and get help on the path to enlightenment. So there's multiple facets here. You're eliminating craving, desire, and attachment because you're practicing generosity. You're helping the teachings come into the world because you're supporting an individual who's 
in one of the four stages of enlightenment and bringing the teachings into the world and you're in direct contact with somebody who then have you have the ability to then ask questions and gain wisdom about the path to enlightenment so that's how you're producing wholesome gamma in that situation thank you sir there's also a question on youtube from koshi she says hello teacher david i have this question is it important to know the potential results when selecting a career path in order to stay driven and understand the purpose of our efforts yes this is what the natural law of gamma does for you is to help you know the results of something before you ever choose to do it so as it relates to your livelihood if you look at the right livelihood and the buddha shares this in volume 12 chapter 14 that's where the real extensive and detailed teachings are about right livelihood that's volume 12 chapter 14 you'll be able to see what the buddha teaches to ensure you purify your livelihood because there's two facets of purifying your livelihood in the group learning program, this particular program in the Eightfold Path, I teach the first aspect of purifying your livelihood. But there's a second aspect of purification of your livelihood that's described in volume 12, chapter 14. And if anybody's either looking to switch jobs or you're currently unemployed looking for a job, I would direct you to that book in that chapter to be able to ensure that you're making wise choices about your livelihood. Because if you make unwise choices about your livelihood, it's gonna produce unwholesome results for you. And you would like to ensure that you're making wise choices around your livelihood because this is part of how you generate gamma is through your choice of livelihood. So you can understand through that teaching, but then also all the other teachings that when you go in for like an interview at a job, not only are you selecting a certain livelihood, but you're selecting a certain place to work. You're selecting a boss, you're selecting certain coworkers, you're selecting a certain work environment. So just like your boss is probably interviewing you at your job or your potential new job, you would like to be interviewing them too and find out about them because if you're gonna be involved in this team, any decisions that you guys make are going to affect you. So while the Buddha says that you can only create gamma for yourself, this is 100% true, but your decision to be involved in a particular group, now their decisions are going to affect you. So if you make unwise decisions to have unwholesome friends, for example, this is going to affect you. Or if you have wise decisions to make wholesome friends, this is going to affect you in a positive way a wholesome way the same thing with your work environment if you choose to work for a boss say they're corrupt or say they're scheming and say they're belittling and say they're just out for profit and that's all they care about if you work for that person your decision to now work for that person is going to affect you so you would like to interview your potential boss other coworkers, people in that work environment, so that you're making a wise decision, not only about your livelihood, but about the people who are in that livelihood in the type of environment that you're working in. And this will ensure that you have wholesome outcomes in any potential livelihood. Thank you, sir. Koshi asks another question. She says, how can we achieve something without being attached to results? Yeah, so you pursue it as a goal, an objective, or interest. The way that we tend to pursue things in the unenlightened state is all we really know is craving, desire, attachment. We're just longing and yearning. We're just wanting to get to those pleasant feelings. And if we get the objects of our affection, you know, then we 
get those pleasant feelings. But if we fall short of what it is that we're trying to achieve, we might feel sad or disgruntled or disappointed. This is all discontentedness because we didn't reach what it is that we wanted. So if your mind wants something, if it's expecting something, if it's craving and longing for it, you can only feel happiness if you get it. But if you fall short of it, you're going to feel disappointed or sad. So what you do is you set goals and objectives for yourself and you work towards them, fully knowing that you may not get to them. And you, that doesn't mean that you can't use them to motivate you. But you need to train your mind that if you fall short of those goals or objectives for any reason, that's okay. You can either choose to extend your timeline and now work towards those goals and objectives over a longer timeline, or you can include new resources to be able to help you get to that goal or objective, or you might realize further down the road that, hey, this goal or objective isn't really something that I'm interested in. I thought when I first started this journey that that is what I was interested in. I thought I wanted that goal or objective, but now I'm six months into it or a year or three years into going towards this goal or objective and I realize that it's actually not going to provide what I need in this situation. So I'm not going to cling to this goal or objective. I'm just going to set the goal or objective, work towards it, fully realizing that I may fall short of it. So if you understand that your goal in this life is to acquire wisdom, then you never fail. Because even if you set a goal or an objective and you work towards it and you fall short of it, you acquired wisdom in that situation. But if your threshold of whether you're successful or not is whether you obtain that particular thing, then you can only feel successful if you obtain that particular thing. But if your goal and objective is to acquire wisdom, even you don't meet your goal and objective, you acquired wisdom all along the way, so therefore you never fail. You can't fail if your goal and objective is to acquire wisdom. And now you work towards certain objectives that you have, and you do that through just gradually progressing towards it without having a longing and yearning to actually accomplish it. Thank you, sir. Alison also has a question. She says, hi, teacher David. Gamma is literally actions and results without emotion. Therapists and other unenlightened beings have condoned me for attempting to take logic out of decision-making at times. Emotion is part of the unenlightened mind and ego, correct? Is looking at situations logically part of those moments of clarity I should pay attention to? Thank you. Yeah, so a mind that is calm and peaceful and joyful you can calmly think through the decisions that you're making and consciously make a decision that's going to produce a wholesome outcome. And the interesting thing is, is that gamma is the most unbiased teacher. When you make a decision, you can read the results of that decision to determine whether it was a wise or unwise decision. And sometimes what you need to do is you make a decision and maybe 80% of what's coming back to you is wholesome, but there's a little bit of 20% that's unwholesome. And now you need to tweak your decision a little bit. So you're kind of reading, you're looking at the natural law of gamma, you're understanding your decisions, you're making conscious decisions. You put this decision into the world thinking that it's fully wise. And then you read the results coming back to you. And now you might have to tweak that decision a little bit. So a person who's conscious and moving to this higher consciousness, they are going to use logic in their decision making because what we tend to base our decisions on in the unenlightened state is craving, anger, and ignorance. And this is why we experience the unwholesome results that we experience. But when we can slow our decision making down 
we can then make wise decisions. Because when there's craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind, there tends to want to be these rapid decisions, really quick decisions, lots of rapid decisions, because the mind's trying to hurry up and get its cravings fulfilled, and it's trying to hurry up and get to those pleasant feelings. And it can only get its fix, so to speak, if it gets its cravings fulfilled, and then it gets its pleasant feelings. But that's going to result in unwholesome outcomes because you're making decisions through craving anger and ignorance so if you can learn to restrain the mind which is what the buddha is teaching you on the eightfold path with meditation and the mental discipline section of the eightfold path that if you see your mind longing yearning and craving and trying to hurry up and make a whole bunch of rapid decisions then you can pull back just like a horse i know you know how to ride a horse you pull the reins back and you restrain the horse you restrain the mind you restrain the mind so that when you see it longing and yearning and trying to make decisions through craving you're like no 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 i'm not going to let you do that i'm going to slow you down here you want to hurry up and get a job no, I'm going to make sure that you make a wise decision. Or you want to hurry up and change locations or change where you live or change your relationship. No, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to make sure that you slowly think this through. You look at all the possibilities. You possibly get suggestions and input from wise people that you surround yourself with. And now you gradually make decisions about what it is that you would like to do in life. So like right now, you guys see me teaching where I teach the group learning program online Sundays and Wednesdays. I teach the Polycan in an English study group online on Saturdays. I teach at the temple Sunday and Wednesdays. I teach the Polycan in an English study group at the temple on Saturdays. I have all these books, all these videos, all these podcasts, all this stuff. This stuff was all done slowly but surely, right? When I first started into this, I just started with one chapter. And I didn't even know it was going to be a book at that point. It was just like one chapter. And then slowly it was the next chapter and the next chapter. Next chapter. And I slowly built that up. I used that book for like a year and a half, two years, three years here in Chiang Mai teaching. Then I started moving online. And then I realized that I needed to update the language of this book. So I updated the language and then I published this volume one. And then I did slowly but surely all those other volumes. And then I slowly but surely brought up these programs. There were times where... Like I knew I would made a decision because I thought about it for a few months to teach like the group learning program. But it was like a two or three month lead up to teaching the group learning program. And then as I was teaching that and I realized that students needed another program after that, the Polycanon in English study group, I thought about that, how I'd like to structure it, how it should be. And then I spent three, four, five months building that program. And then I announced it two and a half months beforehand and then slowly built that up where people were aware of it and were able to attend it. So you take your time with your decisions because then as all these pieces are moving, you can slowly observe each individual piece and slowly make sure you're making wise decisions with each individual thing. So if you look at the books, if you look at the videos, if you look at the classes and the things that I do, I'm making sure that each thing that I do is being done very thoroughly. And that way I'm building up a house with a really good, strong foundation, really strong walls, really strong roof. And now this house can be really stable and steady. So that's what you would like to do in your own life as well. Whether it's your living situation, whether it's your relationships, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your livelihood, it's just gradually make decisions to build a really strong foundation and 
gradually, slowly, but surely make these decisions with logic. But what the mind's going to want to do because of its cravings is it's going to want to hurry up and run forward and make a whole bunch of rapid decisions because it's trying to get to those pleasant feelings. And where you observe with mindfulness that the mind is longing and yearning, that's where you restrain it and you start training the mind to slowly, consistently, methodically, and thoroughly think through all your individual decisions and make wise decisions about each thing that you're doing. Eventually, you do this enough and you cultivate enough wisdom that you'll be able to make decisions more readily. But for a really long period of time, you'd like to really slow things down and just make a lot of really wise, steady, consistent decisions. Put that one decision into the world and see what it produces when it comes back to you. And now you see it, you analyze it, and now you tweak your decision and you put that decision into the world. And now you see what results that produces. Whereas if you made a whole bunch of rapid decisions, rapid fire, you wouldn't be able to see the results as clearly coming back to you to be able to analyze it and figure out which aspect of your decisions was unwise. So if you slowly, thoroughly, methodically make decisions, you can more readily see the results coming back. And there's less and less likelihood that you're going to have unwholesome results coming back because you've taken your time to make very thorough decisions. You haven't just rushed into the world making rapid decisions, but you've done that slowly, thoroughly, and methodically. And that way, you'll have the best results for a wise decision to go out into the world and the best opportunity for wholesome results to come back to you. Thank you, sir. Um, there don't appear to be any more questions at the moment, but I, I have two questions, if mm -hmm. that's okay. I wanted to ask you in relation to gamma, is it possible for somebody to um, curse somebody else, you know, use like mystical powers to send someone misfortune or whatever? Like, is, is that possible? Because I do see a lot of people paying a lot of money to, to have people that they hate cursed and, and things and I'm just wondering what does uh, you know what's the Buddhist sort of outlook on this yeah this is untrue this is not possible this is essentially a scam because it's not possible to curse somebody there's no like ways to curse somebody because everything that you experience is a result of your decisions so if it was possible to curse somebody then that means it's not a result of your decisions that means you can be affected by this curse but in reality if you're making wise decisions and you have wisdom everything that you're experiencing is a result of your decisions so there's no such thing as good luck or bad luck there's no such thing as being cursed or anything like that there's no ability for that to occur even though people do that in the world there's no ability for that to occur same thing people talk about the what is it the the law of attraction and people talk about manifesting something in the world this isn't possible either you can't just sit somewhere think and then manifest something and attract something to you in order for anything wholesome to occur in your life you have to make decisions so the fact that we can all speak in english and understand each other in english this is a result of our decisions this is gamma we made choices to go to school to meet with our teachers to do assignments to do homework to practice and therefore we all are able to communicate in the english language this is our gamma this is the result of our decisions but somebody can't curse us 
to now take away our ability to speak English or somebody can't curse us to have problems at work because the only problems that we would have at work are based on our own decisions. If we're disrespectful, corrupt at our work, then we're going to experience the results of that. But nobody can curse us to do those things. It would only be the results of our own decisions that would do that. So good luck, bad luck. It's not true. Manifesting things in the law of attraction isn't true. And cursing people isn't true. It's not possible because everything you experience is a result of your decisions. Thank you, sir. And my second question was, um, is karma subject to impermanence? Yeah, our karma is impermanent. So that's why when we produce karma that is unwholesome, this unwholesome karma is impermanent. And we would like it to be as impermanent as possible. So that, like, say you're in a conversation with your mom and you become harsh and bitter with her. Well, right away, you know that's going to produce unwholesome karma, being harsh and bitter with mom. Right away, apologize. Mom, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I should have had better control of my mind. I'm really sorry. I apologize. So this is you cleaning up your karma, not allowing that to continue. So you would like this unwholesome karma to be as impermanent as possible. And now you build up your wholesome karma so that more and more you're experiencing wholesome results. So all this conditional experiences, all these conditioned objects are impermanent. They're going to arise, change, and fade away. So our results of our decisions, they arise, they change, and they fade away. This is our gamma, and it's subject to the same universal truth of impermanence. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Those appear to be all the questions for now. Thank you. Okay. Well, as I said, this was everything that I had to share with you guys. These are great, wonderful questions. It's great discussion to have as part of the class. I can tell you guys are really thinking about these questions and you're thinking about the teachings that I'm sharing with you and you're asking these clarifying questions. So this is really helpful because this is how you progress on the path is to be able to learn the teachings, to independently verify them. And part of that is thinking about them and asking questions for follow-up and clarity. And then you practice. So now you can look around you and see that everything that you have in your life is a result of your decisions. The clothes that you're wearing is a result of your decisions. Where you live is a result of your decisions. The type of job, or if you're unemployed, this is the result of your decisions. The relationships that you're in, this is the result of your decisions. The amount of funds that you have available to you in your bank account, this is the result of your decisions. Every single thing you're experiencing is the result of your decisions. So if you haven't yet read this chapter nine, I encourage you to do that. It's a fairly short chapter. You should be able to read that without a real significant amount of time. But remember, as you're reading, you would like to just do that for maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. You're not interested in reading for an entire hour or two hours because oftentimes it's a lot to digest in one sitting. So take individual sessions where you're just reading a little bit, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, because you're also going to need to be doing your meditations as well. So if you're just drip feeding the teachings in through books, videos, through classes and things like this, this will be really helpful for you. And remember, these books are available at no cost by going to buddhadailywisdom.com. From there, you can download it, you can take it and go print it, or there's a link there that you can order it from Amazon as well. It connects to amazon.com, but wherever you are in the world, whatever Amazon you use, you should be able to find these books on there if you'd like a really nice printed bound version of them. 
Next week in the group learning program on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 10, which is titled, What is Merit? Here you're going to learn about this unique type of gamma, this unique type of wholesome gamma that is generated through generosity. So we're going to be talking about generosity, and we're also going to be talking about the merit because these two things are interconnected and they're also connected with gamma and you're going to need to know this in order to progress on the path to enlightenment so you can read that chapter if you'd like before class and or after class as well and then on wednesday we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation together now what we're doing is we're coming together for the rest of the group learning program on wednesdays to encourage support and motivate each other in our meditation practice and i'm alternating between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation and then of course students have the ability to ask any and all questions that you like it's just an open question session where you can get questions on anything that you like and since i'm not teaching any particular topic there's just going to be lots of random questions that you might have related to anything that you're learning in the path to enlightenment so you can come into that class live on wednesdays and ask any questions that you like if you can't attend live there's always the replays through facebook youtube or the podcast you can digest the content there so thank you all for your dedication and diligence to learn and practice because as you do it's helping you it's helping those close to you and it's helping all of humanity become a kinder gentler more loving society so we'll see you guys in the future have a lovely rest of your day sawadee thank you for listening to this podcast to provide support for this podcast visit patreon.com forward slash support buddha to access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment. Enlightenment.